Welcome to Diverse City Church Sermons. We hope that you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Ray. I'd like to talk to you about lighten it up. Lighten it up. For that reason, the title of today's message is Light It Up. We about to get lit, bruh. Now, now, I know a lot of y'all probably thinking, Pastor Ray, what you know about lighting it up, bro? I ain't always been saved. Some of y'all's thinking, Pastor Ray, I'm regular too, bro. Regular. Regardless if you're thinking you're ready to get lit or what you know about getting lit, today I'm going to talk to you about lighting it up. But the thing I want to talk about in reference to this lighting it up thing, it's not a blunt. We ain't light no blunts. For our white folks out there, we ain't light no joints. We ain't light no bowls or bongs, cigarellos, black and milds, Marlboros, Newports, Winstons, Cools. We ain't lighting it up. Some of y'all roll your own, we ain't doing that. I, I want to talk to you about lighting something else up. This is church, so we're going to talk about lighting it up, and but we're going to talk about it from the Word, and, and most of you all can probably recall when Jesus was talking about lighting it up in Matthew chapter 5 and 16, and he said, let your light shine before men, and, and the purpose of our light shining before men is that people can see our good deeds, and, and they see our light, and then it brings glory to God, which then brings hope to our world, it challenges our culture, and, and things begin to happen, when you live right and you're living an external light, it changes people around you. But, but I just want to say that I'm not talking about lighting up the external. I know in Matthew 5, 16, the word to be a light, let your light shine before men. But I don't want to talk to you today about an external light that we are to be to the world. Today, I want to talk to you about a different kind of light. Rather than the external light, I want to talk to you about an internal light. Let me say that again. I don't want to talk to you about an external light. I want to talk to you about an internal light. Today, I don't want to focus on us illuminating the world, but rather I want to focus on us illuminating our own hearts, minds, and spirit. That's what I want to talk about today. I want you to be prepared to light it up. A lot of us are putting so much emphasis on lighting up our surroundings, all while internally we're dim and dark. God doesn't just want you to do good deeds and light up what's happening around you, but God needs you to first be lit inside of you. In the text that we're going to read from today, and I'm going to teach a little bit, so for those of you that expect me to preach and get you happy and you want to shout and run, you just got to hold on a little bit and just pray it happens. And if it don't, it's all good. Because my goal is to prepare you to be a better Christian when you leave than that what you was when you came. And in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 22, it says, Your eye is the lamp of the body that provides light to your entire body. Again, your eye is the lamp that provides light to your body. When your eye is healthy, 
Your whole body will be filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be filled with darkness. Now, this is really what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about this scripture where Jesus is is preaching, teaching his disciples. And he says, your eye is the lamp of your body. And then he says, if your lamp is good and has a high walk bulb in it, you're going to have good light inside of you. But if your eye is jacked up and you got one of those bootleg bulbs, then you're going to be dim inside of you. And it says your eye determines the health and well-being of your body. Y'all read that, right? Y'all read that? Y'all reading it? So so I I really feel like I need to teach this to you today because we as God's people need to learn to get our eyes healthy. Uh Uh-oh. See, when it gets quiet, you know you're preaching good. See, years ago, I judged how good I preached based off how many people shouted. But now that I've been pastoring here nine years and in the ministry since 2002, I've kind of changed my whole ministry tactics where I don't look for shouting anymore. I look for silence. Because silence means you're thinking and the Holy Spirit's moving and challenging and checking. And I need to tell you today that your eyes being unhealthy will make you internally unhealthy. Uh Uh-oh. Matthew chapter 6 and 22, I want to repeat this one part in our opening text. And it is, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. Our eyes are a lamp that brings light to our body. Better yet, if you think about body, you think about your mind, your heart, your spirit. and, And it's saying that when our eyes are good and healthy, we illuminate and bring some good light inside of us. I want you to think for a moment that you are home and all the lights are off and it's dark. You can't see anything around you. The lamp is there. The electric is ran. But you have darkness in your house. And until you go over to the lamp and flick the button or flip the switch, you do not have light. Even though the lamp is there, the light's not on. Many of us, I believe, have electric ran to our houses. We have a lamp sitting on our table, but we're still sitting in darkness. I need us to know for a minute that your eyes are the lamp to your body. That's what Jesus said. Your eye is the lamp to your body. And when your lamp is on and operating healthy, it brings good light in. How many of y'all want good light in you? We want light in us, right? We want to be filled. We want to be full. We want to be complete. We want to be whole. And we're like, Pastor, how do I get light in me? How do I have fulfillment in me? How do I feel full and rich and overwhelming? Well, part of it is developing good eyes. If your eyes aren't healthy, you can't be healthy. We have to master our eyes because our external sight now if you was taking notes this is something you'd want to write down because this is actually something that'd be good for facebook your external sight 
affects your internal light. Your external sight affects your internal light. See, some of you have 20 watt bulbs. Some of you have nightlight bulbs. Others of you have 100 watt flood bulbs. And there's some who I long to be who have 500 watt incandescent LED whatever kind of bulb you want. And they shine bright, they shine hot, and you can see as God wants you to see and you're full of light inside of you. The reality is, is if your sight's jacked up, your light's jacked up. It is important that we, as God's people, challenge ourselves and constantly look at our eyes. I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about this in just a few minutes, but but I want us to really understand here what's happening, that, that Jesus is making this illustration about light and how it is connected to our bodies and how a lamp brings light to the room Your eyes bring light to you. And if your eyes are good, internally you're lit up. But if your eyes are bad, internally you're jacked up. And and really it is important for us to understand that our eyes are the gateway to our bodies. We talk about St. Louis being the gateway to the Midwest and you go through St. Louis to go to Colorado. Because we are the introduction to get to the West. I need you to know that there is two arches that you carry around right now and they're called your right and left eyeballs. And they are the gateway to the inside of you. And depending on how you view life, view people, and view everything else is going to determine what's inside of you. A lot of us say that marijuana, weed, whatever you call it, purple haze, dirt, some of y'all, dirt, oh, I got dirt. Anyway, uh, I ain't always been saved. And then he says, that's the gateway drug. You start smoking weed, then it leads to other stuff. And, you know, we can argue, is that true, is it not true? But most times, that is the introductory drug that leads to more. That's what our eyes are. Our eyes are the introduction to what's going to be inside of us. And if we don't master these, we'll never get what we want inside of here. It is so important, and that's what Jesus is saying. So we go back to the scripture, now looking at part 23, verse 23. It says, when your eye is healthy. So we know it's saying that your eye is the lamp, and that your eye lights up your body. But it says, if your eye is healthy, your body will be full of light. But if your body is unhealthy, your whole body will be filled with darkness. Some of us are wondering, why in the world do I feel so broken? Why do I feel so depressed, so overwhelmed, so anxious? Why is it that I feel the way I do inside of me? Can I tell you it's got a lot to do with the way you see life? 
It's got a lot to do with the way you're going through life and the way you're envisioning things and seeing things. It's all about your perspective. If your perspective's jacked up and you're not keeping the focus, the right focus, you'll never get what you want in here because you can't even master what's out here. See, we need to have healthy eyes because when our eyes are healthy, our body is healthy. That's what it's saying. When your eyes are the lamp, then your body is lit up. But if your eyes are jacked up, your body's dark. When your external sight is right, your internal light is right. When externally you're looking correctly and with good health and in right perspective, internally things are okay as well. How many of you knew, be honest, how many of you knew that your eyes affected your inner man? Our eyes are the gateway to our bodies and they play such a major role in our life. But for some reason, we think that our eyes aren't really a big deal. And that's why we say things about our eyes and say, it's not really important. It's just me looking. I'm just window shopping. Right? Y'all heard that? I'm just window shopping. Really? Well, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, window shopping ain't got no light in it. See, and some of us are wondering, why in the world do I feel so dark? It's because you window shop. But I don't touch. You don't need to touch to be dark. You window shop. And and, and we need to understand that God wants us to have healthy eyes. And when our eyes are healthy, we welcome in the light of God. But when our eyes are not healthy, nothing sits inside of us but darkness. Now, I want to look at the King James Version because it really helps us. So the NLT, the word it says, the New Living Translation, also uh, more modern translations, it'll make comparisons of healthy. It'll say if the eye is healthy, the whole body will be healthy. But the, the King James really is good in this reference because it says, if thine eye is single, thy whole body will be full of light. But if thine eye is evil, and it doesn't say if thine my eye is double. It says evil because it's either single or evil. So when you think about the word single, I need you to think of its real meaning. And what it's saying is your eyes are focused on one thing. When your eyes are singularly focused on one thing and that one thing is Jesus and Jesus alone, your body is full of light. But when you have your mind on Jesus, your mind on money, your mind on opposite sex relationships, your mind on work, your mind on greed, your mind on everything else. Now you are double minded, triple minded, quadruple minded and anything over singular mind is not of God. The only way that you can have an internal peace is to have a singular focus. The only way that you can have an internal peace is to have a healthy sight. That's it. See, our internal light starts to go dim when we lose focus and start looking at the wrong things. 
See, when you're looking at things besides Jesus, your light begins to go dim because the only way that you can be bright internally is if you're looking at God externally. See, we need to have single focus, a single eye. I'm not talking about cross-eyed, lazy eye, wherever you turn, you always looking at people. No, I ain't talking about that. All right? Unfortunately, some people are born with medical conditions, and that's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about folks being singular-minded. The world will call us narrow-minded, bigoted, saying that we're so holy rollers and we think we know better. But we need to get to the place with God that we can say like the Apostle Paul, like it says in the epistles, where he said... Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Can I tell you that God wants you to fix your eyes on Jesus? You need to have a singular focus on him and him alone. And you say, why is it that I'm so restless? Because you're focused on too much. Why is it that I'm so empty and void and feel like I can't get ahead in the moment I think I'm on the verge of a breakthrough it all falls apart again because you're focused on the wrong thing. God never called you to focus on your career. He never called you to focus on your vocation, your education. He never called you to focus on building homes or building a house or paying off debt or getting married or having sex or being greedy. He never called you to any of that. He called you to be a worshiper. And until you put him first... And have a singular mindset. You will always have restlessness inside of you. We need to develop good eyesight. In order to better understand what Jesus is saying though in the scripture. I need to go back. We need to go back and look in the scripture. So here's what I want to do. I just want to contextually get you to understand where we are. We are in chapter 6 of the book of Matthew. Chapters 5 through 7, so 5, 6, and 7, there's three chapters that are devoted to the Sermon on the Mount. Y'all heard of that, right? So Jesus, at this point, is teaching to his disciples in chapter 6. And and when we're reading chapter 5, 6, and 7, he is on top of the mountain. The scripture says that he's in in chapter 4. There's crowds of people. So Jesus got away up into the mountains and his disciples were with him and they sat down and Jesus began to teach. He began to preach and he preached chapter five. He preached chapter six and he preached chapter seven to them. So while we're in chapter six, we need to understand that even though our nice new modern Bibles give us this good, great, whatever you want to call it, convenient headers. And it says, make sure you give right. And then it says fasting. And then it talks about prayer. And it's got all the titles, right? Does your Bible have that? A bunch of titles. So you're in chapter 6 and it's broken up into like six different sections. You're in chapter 5 and it's broken up into like five different sections. You go to chapter 7, there may be eight different sections. And you see all these sections and our brain tells us it's different sermons at different times. But I need to tell you that it was one sermon that Jesus preached at one time. And you're saying, well, what does that matter? It has everything to do with everything because that means in order for us to really understand chapter 6, verse 22 and 23, we need to look at chapter 5 first. Because Jesus was laying a foundation 
preparing us for chapter 6, verse 22 and 23. See, in our Bibles, it's nice and cute. And the only thing you see is chapter 22 and 23, verse 22 and 23. And it says, the eye is, is the lamp. And if your eye is good, the whole body is good. And you read that. And, and it maybe doesn't completely make sense. But if you go and you sit down and you meditate, I like to call it marinate. And you just sit back and relax and you look through the scriptures and begin to tear it apart. You begin to see a constant theme of really understanding what Jesus was saying. So when we go back and we look at chapter 5, I got up here on the screen. First in chapter 5 verse 1, the Sermon of the Mount starts. Then you go down to verse 12 through 11, it's the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes is all about the heart. Jesus is saying things like, blessed are the meek. Jesus said things like, blessed are the pure in heart. Jesus was saying things like, blessed are the peacemakers. He's really ministering to them, talking about who they need to be internally. Everybody with me say, I'm with you. Okay. And so he's talking about Beatitudes. Here's what I need you to be. And then after he says, here's what I need you to be. Here's what I'm asking God to do inside of you. You're to be a peacemaker. You're to be full of meekness. You're to be a man that loves people. And now he's laid this foundation of who they are to be internally. And then he says, oh yeah. And by the way, the reason you are to be this is because you're to be the salt and light. And then after that, he says, oh, oh, real quick. We're talking about salt and light, and I know you think that your good deeds is what you're supposed to do, but let me just back up real quick and say the Pharisees also do good deeds. So it's not just the good deeds I'm looking for you to do, because your righteousness needs to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. I'm looking for internally something to be happening different in you than everybody else. And he says, okay, let let me give you an example of what I mean with the Pharisees. He says, take murder, for example. The Pharisees don't kill people, but they always kill people because they hate people. And hatred is the root of murder. He says, oh, by the way, since you don't think that's enough, he says, let me tell you about adultery. You may never commit adultery, but many of you have already been committing adultery because you lust. And then he says, oh, yeah, and real quick, they used to say to you that you can, you know, do eye for an eye. But I'm telling you to love your enemies, and if they want to go one mile, go two miles. If they slap you on one cheek, turn them your other cheek also. So all of these scriptures, Jesus is really laying a foundation about our internal manhood. He's talking about our motives. When I read chapter 5, what sticks out is how Jesus is emphasizing to his disciples that they are to serve God from a pure heart. He was trying to convey the importance of their inward man being healthy. Not an external show. Not a two-piece suit and a hallelujah and an amen and be a member of a church and run around in circles and volunteer. He says, I want you to be different internally. Then you go to chapter 6. That chapter 6 starts off and the first thing that happens... Following up with this whole heart issue. You got to remember chapter 6 don't mean it's a different time. It's the same message. We don't know if it was 30 minutes long, an hour long, three hours long. We're not really sure. But Jesus then said, oh, and let me tell you about giving. Because I've already kind of told you about your heart with the Beatitudes and you're to be salt and light. Your righteousness needs to exceed the Pharisees. I told you about murder and how hatred is equivalent to murder. I'm telling you that adultery and lust go hand in hand. I told you you need to love your enemies. But let me also tell you about giving. I don't want you to just give to people. 
Because if you give to be seen, you'll get no credit for that. Jesus says, I want you to give where your right hand don't know your left hand was given. What he was saying is, don't give for accolades and high fives and pats on the back. I want you to give because it's inside of you and you don't need credit for it. And then he says, oh yeah, since we're talking about motives, can I tell you about prayer? I'm so sick and tired of those religious people standing up and praying and they got long scriptures. They're remembering Psalms. They pray all good and fine and well and everybody loves to hear them pray. But can I tell you that they love to hear themselves pray and they already got their reward. And real prayer is when you go in your house, you close your door, you go in the closet and no one sees you around. Can I tell you that God is looking for something inside of you? He doesn't care about what's out here. He wants to know what's happening on the inside of you. And then he says, and oh, since we're talking about internal change, let me tell you about fasting. He was probably saying, I'm tired of Pharisees fasting for people to think they're so spiritual. When you fast, I don't want you to tell anybody. I want you to simply go in your house, prepare to fast, and you come out just like everything's cool. See, and here's where we take scriptures out of context. I had one person send me a text message because folks on Facebook will say, man, I'm so glad we're on a church fast. God's doing radical things. And somebody said something, sent me something. They're like, isn't it unbiblical for you guys to be doing a fast and talking about it? I'm like, I think the problem is, is you don't understand what he was saying. And she's like, well, what do you mean? I said, I'll explain what I mean. Have you ever went to church? Yes, I have. Have you ever prayed at church? Yes, I did. Were people around? Yes, they were. I said, were you out of the will of God? And I said, another question. You ever been to church? Yes, I have. You ever paid tithes? Yes. Did you do it when people are around? Did your left hand see your right hand on it? And I said, you got to understand what God was saying here. He was speaking figuratively that we need to make sure our hearts are right. And we're not fasting for people to give us high fives. We're not giving to get recognition. And we're not praying to be heard. But we're doing it with the right attitude, the right heart. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for people that have a heart after him. So in all of chapter 6, God's talking about an internal movement. He's talking about motives. Then we look at chapter 6 and Jesus continues with the same theme as he did in chapter 5. And he was trying to teach his disciples yet again that it wasn't about a religious structure. It wasn't about formality of the church. But it was about serving God with a pure heart. Up until this point, the entire Sermon on the Mount is connected to the inner man. Our motives. God's asking about our motives. Then you keep going down in chapter 6, following all of that that I just laid out for you. Then it says in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart be also. Now it's important that I really get you to understand what's happening here because Jesus just told them all of these different scenarios. He says, blessed are the meek, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness sake. He's saying all these things you may never get credit for. He says also you need to love your enemies. People may never like you for that, but you need to do it. And then he says, oh yeah, and by the way, not only do you you need to do those things, but you also need to make sure that your righteousness exceeds the Pharisees, that you don't hate people, that you don't have lust in your heart. But none of those things are going to get you recognition. Then he goes and says, oh yeah, and when you give, don't let people know it. And, And when you pray, 
make sure you're not doing it to be heard. And, and when you fast, make sure you're not doing it to be seen. And, and Jesus knew at this moment that people were beginning to say, uh-oh, that means I may take a stand for God, but no one ever knows it. That means I may live my entire life and never get pats on the back. It may mean I go through all of my church life and no one ever knows that I give. No one ever knows what I do. And you know what? Let me be honest with you. When people don't appreciate you, it's hard to keep doing life. And Jesus knew it. That's why Jesus says, all right, I've already laid out all the stuff that you're supposed to do. Now I need to tell you something. Where your treasure is, your heart be also. What he was saying is, you'll get your treasure later. If you look at that whole scripture, he says, do not lay up treasure on earth where moths and thieves destroy, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and thieves do not destroy. For God will reward us if we just keep moving on and serving God and not looking for recognition. And then he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I think about this. Jesus is saying... Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So, so I began to think. I said, all right, all right what do I, I'm going to write something down. And I said, what Jesus was saying is I know it will be hard to stay focused. I know it will be difficult to serve me when no one's giving you accolades. But treasure me and keep looking at me and keep looking at the treasure you'll one day get. Don't worry about what you get now. It's not about now. It's about what's going to come at the end. And you need to stay focused because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I know lots of Christians who say God's number one, but they think about sex a whole lot more than God. Whatever you treasure is what's in your heart. I know so many, and I'm about to step on your toes. I just wanted to give you a heads up so you can move them out the way. I know so many single people that think more about being married than they do about God. And you say that your heart is longing to be married. And I'm telling you that if your heart longs to be married, then you're in the wrong place. Because wherever your treasure is, your heart is. How do you distinguish what your treasure is? How do you distinguish that? How do I know what my treasure is? How do I know that? How do I figure out what my treasure is? It's actually very easy. Whatever you think about the most, that's what you treasure. Whatever you look at the most, that's what's inside of you. Whatever you get, whatever gets the most of your attention, that reveals your heart. Let let me, let me say that again, because it's hard to take and swallow. And I'm so sorry, but my job is to help you be better when you leave than you were when you came in. And if you think about something over and over and over again, that's what you treasure. Whatever you look at over and over and over again, that's what's inside of you. Whatever gets the most of your attention reveals what has your attention. Your heart and your treasure, they parallel each other. You can't say you have a heart after God, but your eyes are always looking at women. Oh, Lord, I'm talking to somebody now. You can't say that you have a heart after God, but you're more concerned about being married than you are having a healthy relationship with Jesus. You can't say that God's the most important thing to you, but every time you get a pay cut, you go 
going to deep anxiety and depression and you're overwhelmed with life and you don't know what you're going to do because if you believe God's in control and he's most important, a pay cut means nothing to you. What do you treasure? I don't know what I treasure. It's easy. Go home and start writing down what you do the most. And that's what you treasure. That's how you tell what you treasure. And and I say this to you because one is always complimenting the other. They, they go hand in hand with each other. Okay? And, and, and we need to see that, that whatever's in your heart is going to be what you look at. Right? Everybody with me? So, so if, if you got lust in your heart, you're going to look, if you're a fella, you're going to look at women. If you got lust in your heart, you're a lady, you're going to look at dudes, right? I mean, that's what we do. If you're greedy, you're going to look at every job based off how much money they're paying you. Right? That's what we do. Because we're talking about our hearts. It says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart be also. Your heart and your eyes, they go hand in hand. But Jesus said that if your eyes are good, your body's healthy. But the scripture before, he says, wherever your treasure is, your heart be also. And we know whatever you treasure is what you look at. But, but I don't understand it. It almost seems like a contradiction. But if you think about it this way, here's what God showed me. God showed me that you can't change your heart because that's internal. But you can change your eyes. You can't change what's happening on the inside of here, but you can change what you look at on the outside of here. See, only God can do a work internally, but you can be disciplined enough to turn your head. You say, Pastor, I want a new heart. Well, the Bible says that he gives new hearts out. That's what it says. It says that he'll give you, he'll take your heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. He will give you the desire of God, for God, the things of God. And that's what you want. But the problem is, is right now your heart's jacked up. You're right here and you're jacked up. And, and the only thing you're looking at is some messed up treasure. And, and you don't want to, but you do. What, what do I do? Well, what you need to do is start saying, God, I know I can't change my heart. But what I can change is my perspective. I can change what I look at. I can change what I focus on. And and I'm praying that as I begin to look the other way, that you will begin to make the internal change that I can. And when you begin to focus your eyes on different things, God will begin to bring healing to the heart that you can't heal. If we want our hearts to be after God, we need to change our focus. If we want... God to have a transferring of heart in us. If we want God to do a renewal in us, we need to adjust our sight. We need to pray and ask the Lord to help us see things differently. That's what we need to do. So, so look at this again. Matthew twenty-two, twenty-three. 23. Your eye is the lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your body will be filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your eye will be your body, excuse me, will be filled with darkness. Our eyes are a major contributor to what happens inside of us. I want to give you an example in just a moment, but first I want to say that I believe that God wants to make each of us full of light. 
If I asked who wants to be full of light, I guarantee everybody would raise their hand. Because full of light means you're full of Him. Full of light means you're full of peace. Full of light means life is good. You're content, you're cool, you're chill, and you're just glad to be alive. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. You're just glad to be saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, loving life, enjoying life. You're just cool. You're just glad. You're just glad to be, you're just glad you ain't dead, right? Like that's where, that's where we all want to be. We don't want to have depression. Has anyone ever heard the lingo of, I've been in a real dark place lately? Who's heard that? Right? We've heard it. Now, when you hear, I've been in a real dark place lately, what does that mean? What, what does that mean? Somebody say a word. What word comes to your mind? Depression, sadness, separation. So, so all these are negative words, right? So, so, so I've been in a real dark place lately. That's what we hear. I've been in a real dark place lately. This is what I think about when I read this scripture. Jesus says, if your eyes are healthy, you won't be in a dark place. But if your eyes are unhealthy, oh, how dark will that place be? That's what it said. That's what Jesus is saying. And, and, and a lot of times we hear people say, oh, I'm in a real dark place. And we can identify for that. But when we hear the, the Bible say that your eye is the lamp, it kind of doesn't make sense to us. But I need you to know that you never need to enter a dark space again. It's completely up to your perspective in life. If you want to be full of Him, full of His peace, full of His anointing, full of His light, you can be. Our internal light can only be as bright as our treasure. Our internal light can only be as bright as what we look at. Mm, That's good right there. Your internal light can only be as good as your sight is. Your marriage can only be as good as you can see it. Your future can only be as hopeful as you see it. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Because you've been wondering why is your situation so dark. And I need to tell you that it's not the situation. It's you. David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What David was saying is it doesn't matter how bad it gets. Because I understand my perspective. I know that I'm good because God's good. I know that he's going to work it out because he always works it out. I know that I don't need to worry because he's got it all under control. And when it begins to get real bad, you just need to refocus your eyes and say, I won't look at you. I won't look at that. I'm going to look unto the hills from where cometh my help. Oh, I need somebody to preach with me today. See, the problem is not where you are. The problem is how you see what you're in. And if you change the way you look at life and you say, Jesus, I'm fixing my eyes on you. Everything inside of you will change. I can't promise you your situation is going to change, but I can promise you internally you'll be different. See, in this world, there's many troubles. And none of us are exempt from them. And hell is after every one of us. But I tell you, in the midst of a storm, you can have peace. And you can say, I feel good. Because God will give you peace in the midst of a storm. 
to change our treasure. We need to ask God to help us change our eyes, change our perspective, the way we see life, the way we see situations, the way we see people, the way we see problems, the way we see ourselves. We need to ask God to start changing the way we look at life because when our eyes change, we change. We change. So here's the practical application as I close. The one I want to talk about for just a second is lust. Some of you have lust issues. And I want to tell you that I've had lust issues. Matter of fact, there ain't many people who don't. I mean, you know, the world paints this picture that men are dogs and women are not. But I tell you what, women got lust issues. They need delivered. Just like men do. Yes, they do. And and I say this because some of y'all are wanting to defeat lust, but you can't. And can I tell you that the lust is in your heart? Can I tell you that? Can I tell you that that lust didn't just come? It probably came because you were a kid and stumbled over. I was looking to see if there's any kids in here. You were a kid and... You know, you stumbled over pornography or you were a kid and you hanging out with your cousins or pooking them or, you know, just kicking it with your boys or your girlfriends or y'all just hanging out and, and something's introduced to you. You start seeing things and, and then it happens as you get older and that's kind of the norm. And then you know it's wrong and you don't want to do it, but you always have these images that keep coming back to you year in and year out. And the reality is the lust is inside of you. And it's okay. It's okay. You know why? Because it's not the heart. It's the, it's the perception. You, you need to be honest with yourself and say, I look at women way too much. I look at men way too much. I'm always thinking about sex. I'm always thinking about this. I watch porn, whatever it is. You need to start thinking about those things and say, you know what? I know my heart's messed up. But the only way to get light in here is to change the way I look with these. So so what that means is tomorrow night when my heart is saying, get on the internet, my eyes are going to pick up a Bible. Or or when my heart is saying, just go over and just just hook up one more time, my my, my eyes are going to say, no, I'm going to the gym. See, because I can't promise you that this is going to change overnight. But I can promise you that you can change your sight now. And when your sight begins to change and you say, no, I won't go to that website. No, I won't visit you tonight. No, I won't go down aisle 13 again, even though she was fine. No, I won't go down aisle 8, even though I want one more look. No, I won't go over there and say hi and hopefully get flattered. No, I won't go over there and tell her she looks good. I am not going to do eyes. I refuse to allow you to keep contaminating me. Everybody with me? Okay. The second thing I need you to get. Here's the second example. The second example that I need you to get for a moment is when you're in the middle of a crisis. Here's your second example. Practical application. 
I'm going to give you a story because I like to give you stories that I've been through. And I'm going to give you one. Um, my dog, a couple weeks ago, there was these little dogs that were outside yapping. My dog don't do good with little dogs. He's a big dog, real big dog. Um, and it was a little dog. It don't matter if he's little or big. My dog don't really do well with dogs. He likes people like me, but doesn't like dogs. And there was a dog on the other side of the fence. And my dog made it his business to get that dog. It's not good. And he got out. The owner ran over. And my dog ended up biting a, neighbor, a brand new neighbor who I met this way. Um, arm. He immediately let go because he realized it wasn't the dog. Now, if it was the dog, the dog would probably have been dead. So maybe it's good that he got the arm and not the dog. I'm not really sure. That's up for debate. But, but long story short, the woman came over a few days later and was very gracious. And she says, you know what? Um, she says, uh, I don't want... Well, first she said, I'm not going to sue you. And anytime you hear somebody say, I'm not going to sue you immediately, you know su- suing is in their heart. And that's what I thought. I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus. She pulling out the S word. But then she texts me a couple of days later and says, I'm not, no, not going to do that. She's like, matter of fact, I just, I went to urgent care and they bandaged it up and did this. And, you know, we're cool. She's like, can you just pay my bills? Blase, blase. Yeah, that's cool. We'll do it. Right. So I give her a few hundred bucks, take care of her bills. A month later, all the money. And a letter is in my mailbox saying the deal that we made about you not being liable is voided. Here's your money back. And immediately I knew what that meant. My gut told me she pulling out the S word. Two weeks later, which was Thursday, I get a letter in the mail from Paige Law. Now, I ain't had a letter in the mail from Paige Law or any other lawyer since 2001. You know, lawyers is kind of like the police, you know what I'm saying? If you like me, you know, lawyers and police officers, they work hand in hand. So I'm thinking, oh, Lord Jesus. But but I got to tell you how this all happened. It's very important, very important that I tell you this. I love my wife very much. And um, she's my best friend and we hang out all the time. And I rep her publicly. I rep her privately. Uh, we go out on dates a few times a month and, uh, I, and, and I was like, you know what? I want to go out with my wife. It's Thursday. I called her. I was at the office. I said, baby, we're going out tonight. We're going to put the kids to bed and we're going to sneak out. So we snuck out at about nine 30 at night. We got dressed up, went out and got us a little something to eat. You know, we was, we was kicking it. That was the plan. Okay. Th- I mean, everything's great. Thursday was a, a great day. No problems at work. Got tons of stuff done. Felt very um, effective. You know how you have good days? Like you just feel good. Like you're like productive, productive. You know, so it was one of those days. It was productive. And I called the wife. I'm like, baby, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm here. And, and I'm married to you. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just talking game. Yeah, I'm not, you know. And I am. I'm, this is not, I'm not making this up. Like, you can ask her. I, I'm talking game. You know, fellas, if you need help, just, I, I'll help you. I'll hook you up. I mean, I, I talk some game and, you know, I, I laid it all out. You know, we got the kids in bed and we, we went out about 930. Okay, that was, that, was, that was the plan, to go out and hang out. I get home at about 
6.30. My wife's got dinner ready. I go to the mailbox. Page Law. One of the days that, you know, you maybe get once or twice a week, once or twice a month sometimes, where you actually feel good and productive and effective and you felt like, you know, it was a good day. And, 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 and I was just feeling like it was one of those days. I got lucky at the office and, I, and, and now I'm going to go out and just have a lucky night. You know, things are cool, right? I'm, I'm happy. And, and I get home and, and all my plans go down the drain and I'm like on cloud nine. And then I get this paper in my mailbox and literally that quick, that quick, my heart just sunk inside my stomach. I immediately became nauseous. I immediately began to think things like, this woman's going to take my house. She's going to sue me for everything I got. I mean, is anybody, is it just me that goes through stuff like this? Like, like I'm, I mean, everything was wonderful. And just that quick, I didn't even read the letter. I opened it up and it says to Ray and Lorinda Sewell at 9925 Lynn Avenue. And then on the other side, it says from so-and-so from this address. And then it starts telling me about what's happening and, and we want to do a settlement. It don't need to go to court. You're being sued by. And in that moment, my entire entire plans, my entire day, my continence, my high morale, everything that I was excited to do immediately, that quick, gone, that quick. And I said to Lorenda, I said, Lorenda, don't you worry about it. Please don't worry about it. Get out of your head. I said, I'm your husband. Don't stress. Don't, you don't even have to do it. I don't even want you to worry about it. I got this. I am going to not sleep at night. I'm going to have anxiety. I'm going to be worried. I'm going to be nauseous. I'm going to do it. It's not right that you have to do it because I am your leader and your protector. And I got this. Don't you even worry about it. And she says, okay. And I sat in the kitchen for probably an hour and just read over these papers. She's getting the kids ready for bed and I'm just sitting there reading them over and over again. And I'm contemplating the absolute worst. And I just know that the enemy's trying to take me out. And, and, I'm, and I'm, just, I'm just convinced that, that, that everything that I've built up with the Lord's help is going to be taken away from me from one greedy neighbor who originally told me we were good. I was like, God. <laughs> Problem is, is I've been preparing this sermon for two weeks. And a little voice inside my head called the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the voice of God began to say to me, your eyes are looking in the wrong direction. He said, two hours ago, you told your wife how awesome she was and how y'all were going to go out and you're going to have a great life. And you're so thankful for your life and you're glad for where God's called you and you're glad for what's happening. And she's your best friend. And you got one piece of paper, one letter in the mail stating that this person's trying to get you. And you've allowed one situation to etern- internally cause darkness in you. You walked in light all day long and one letter made me dark. Can I tell you that immediately my heart sunk into such a deep darkness and I felt like the world was caving in on me and I'd had absolutely no clue how I'd get out of it? 
Has anybody ever been there? Yeah, I was there Thursday. And I just sat there and began to contemplate with the Lord and had to just realign my focus. I had to remember that God has been so extremely faithful to me. I had to remember that I'm not someone that's supposed to be flaky, back and forth, up and down, that God calls me to be balanced and stable. And the same, the same word that encouraged my wife that it was okay, her husband had it, needed to encourage me because my daddy had it. There's no way that my wife can find comfort in her husband, but I can't find comfort in my God. There's no way as the leader of my home that I expect my wife to go on and leave it in my hands, but I don't even leave it in my God's hands. That moment, just as quick as I sunk into deep depression, I preached to myself and got myself out of it. And I went out that night and refused to allow a piece of paper to get in the way of my wife and I. And we had a great night. The following day I woke up and it hit me like a ton of bricks all over again. I wish I could tell you I only had to preach to myself once, but I didn't. Matter of fact, Stephanie, I saw you at the, at the school that Friday and I wasn't myself and I almost sent you a text message saying, I'm sorry for being so shallow with you because my mind was just so overwhelmed. And that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to just don't focus. And the Lord was just like, Ray, I got you. He's like, I got you. And, I, and a peace came over me later that day. I sat for hours and just thought about it in my office and was very unproductive, didn't get things done that I wanted to get done because those things didn't matter anymore. My treasure was the lawsuit. And I allowed my day to go by and my only focus was this woman trying to take me down. I forgot that God had built me up. I forgot that God gave me everything that I got. I forgot that God had protected me through every valley that I was in. And then again that evening, I had to start preaching to myself and say, Ray, you have got to get out of this slump. This is not right. This is not healthy. I've got you. And I called my insurance adjuster, finally get peace. And I called my insurance adjuster and said, hey, I don't know what the, you know, and I just explained it to him. And, and he says, man, he says, it's all good. Don't even worry about it. We, he says, this kind of stuff happens all the time. And I know it causes deep anxiety and this, this, and this. He's like, but don't even worry about it. It's all good. And I tell you, his words kind of helped confirm that it was all good. But can I tell you, before he told me it was all good, God already did. Yes. <laughs> and that I knew that it was going to be all right. And why do I say this to you? I say this to you because I can't promise you moments won't come that can make it real dark. But I can promise you when dark moments come, you can stay in the light. It's all about how you see it. It's all about what you command your eyes to do. 
Will you look unto the hills from where cometh your help? Will you fix your eyes on Jesus? Will you look at the problem or focus on the solution? Will you see what God's done or will you get lost in what people are doing? Or will you focus on your lust or will you focus on his righteousness? God today is trying to make us discipline our eyes. Because your eyes are the gateway. And something is coming through them, whether you like it or not. And it's up to you whether it's light or darkness. And as for me and my house, I don't want my kids to have any darkness. God has been so wonderful to me. And I just imagine it breaks his heart when you get three page letters in the mail and you forget all about his goodness. I just got to believe it breaks his heart when you take a stand at the altar for him and a lady down aisle seven ruins your whole commitment. Men, that's got to break God's heart. It is time for us to take control of our eyes and allow God to heal our hearts. I've got to ask today if there's anyone here that wants to wants prayer. We're going to open up these altars. Matter of fact, we're going to worship. We're going to sing a song right now. And I would like to challenge you. I feel like the Lord gave me this message a couple weeks ago, but I was completely unprepared to share it. Matter of fact, I want to be a little bit more honest with you. I wasn't ready today. But I knew I had to share it today. And, 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 and really, I, I believe that this message was for a whole lot of people. And, and here's why. Because one terrible thing of a pastor is you often have to go through what you preach. You know how they say, don't pray for patience. That's what happens with pastors. As you begin to prepare and you sit home and you preach to yourself and and you just begin to write this message out and you script it on paper, the enemy many times is sitting there hearing the things that you're preparing and he takes you through a storm. If not, God doesn't do it himself. And I want you to know that, that everything that I'm going through and, and what God has deposited in me with Matthew chapter 6 is for you. Don't allow this day to leave if your eyes are unhealthy. If, if your perspective's jacked up, if you're looking at things a little bit off-center, if God's not the focal point, I want to ask you to join me at this altar. Don't wait. See, this is a hard one because you don't want to admit your eyes are jacked up. But I don't know why. I mean, my God, your pastor just sat here and told you that my eyes are messed up. It shouldn't embarrass you. 
It, it shouldn't do that to you. This is a moment. This is a defining moment for you. Don't allow yourself to leave the same way you can. If you want God to heal you and transform you and touch you, you need to say, God, my eyes are messed up. I need you. Don't wait. If your eyes are messed up, please come. Please come, please come. Everyone who doesn't come, that means you don't look, you don't lust, you're not negative, you're not critical, you don't doubt, you are very optimistic, you always have faith, you look at things correctly, and you are never out of balance, out of kilter, and you are straight and narrowed, always on focus. Is that true, everybody out there? If it's not, can you come? Don't wait, don't wait, don't wait, don't wait, don't wait. I need need you. Come on. I need you to come. I need you to come. I need you to come. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. If the enemy is ministering, if the enemy is trying to minister negativity in you, you need to listen to the Holy Spirit that's trying to minister you to this altar and get up and get here. Get here and get your deliverance. Get your breakthrough. Be okay with saying I'm a mess. My eyesight's messed up. I lose focus sometimes. That's what the enemy wants. He wants us to focus on the wrong thing. God, I want to be a light on the inside. I want you to change my heart on the inside, Lord. Just begin to tell that to the Lord. Just cry out to the Lord, please. Just tell him. Just tell him. Just tell him. Cry out to the Lord. Tell him what. Tell him. Tell him the things you look at. We need to make this very specific. Tell him what you look at. Tell him. Tell him. Please. Please say to say, God, here's the things that I look at. Tell him. It it doesn't matter what it is. He already knows it. Don't be ashamed of it. Tell him, please, please tell him. God, I look at women. I look at men. I look at porn. I'm greedy. I'm always looking for money. I'm always looking for the next best thing. God, I'm angry. I'm always looking at people critically. God, whatever. Tell God, please. God's going to start healing your heart, but you need to identify your eyes. God's going to start healing your heart, but you need to identify your eyes. Call it out. Call it out. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, I think, it says if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we tell God our eyes are messed up, He's going to fix us. He's going to heal us. He's going to deliver us. He's going to renew us. He's going to restore us. He's going to do a work in us. Tell Him. Tell him, tell him I'm greedy, God. I'm angry, God. I'm lustful, God. I've got a porn issue, God. I've got an addiction issue, God. I've got a pot complex, God. I think everybody's racist. I think everybody's against me. I think everybody's sexist. I think everybody's got classism. God, I think I make generalizations. I put everybody in a box. Whatever, tell God, please. Please tell God, don't allow my jacked up Thursday, my anxious Friday, my depression, don't allow my mess that God took me through for you to be in vain. Please, 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 Father, please. God, please, please change our sight, Lord. Thank you for joining us and we hope this message blessed you. 